Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, September 19th, 2020. Dars highlights. Major themes include how to increase one's himma and how to earn income at the end of time. Concerning the claim of being able to see God, he says if you claim to see God, there's a seer and a seen, there's a subject and object, but passing away from seeing yourself and becoming the handful of light, becoming light upon light, so that you see Allah Ta'ala through His own light, and you're no longer present, and you see God through His own eye, then you say whatever you wish. But before that, don't claim to see God, because there's a subject and object. There was a question about how to increase your himma with constancy and a manageable load of devotion. Even if it's little amal, like your deeds are little, but they're constant. And enjoy the garden of faith, the meadows of faith. In other words, relish and enjoy the different devotions. Practice a variety of beautiful character traits so that you don't get bored. Visit the sick one day, fast the next day, read about the lives of the righteous one day, read about their states and then live with them and accompany them. Renounce your companionship of common believers. Don't spend too much time with them. You know that you're weak and you should protect yourself from things that weaken you. If the phone is your weakness, you should leave it. It's become hard now. The murid can lock himself away in his home and not be distracted by the dunya he doesn't turn to anything, but the great fitna is in his own pocket. It's like a talsam, like a talisman or a concealed secret by which he can call any shaitan he wishes to do this or do that. And all of this creates distance between you and your Lord. And those who invoked in the past wouldn't even eat bread. And when asked, why aren't you eating bread? They said, because we, we calculated that for every mouthful of bread, we lost 70 istighfars, 70 instances where we could seek God's forgiveness. And these were men who were working hard on the path. They were truly devoted. So instead of eating bread, they would drink soup because they would only lose one or two istighfars. But don't hear this and say, oh, I'm going to do the same. I'll just drink soup all day. You're way too distant from your Lord to begin these kinds of practices. We just want you to say the weird constantly. And yet, there's fuqara who say, I'm too busy. This is just a 40-minute weird night and, and during the morning. But to truly advance on the path, your night and your day have to be the same for you. They have to become equal. So that your day is the and your night is as well. You won't be among the people of success on the path until you're invoking in all states. And I say this by virtue of the verse, those who invoke or remember God standing, sitting and on their sides. From our own personal experience, after four or five days of constant dhikr, your tongue becomes sore on the sides. Then the Sheikh pointed to his tongue and he said there's blisters that develop on the right and on the left side between the jaws on your tongue. That's what it means for your tongue to become softened by the invocation of Allah. It's as if you pour hot water on your tongue.
on those spots. I say this from personal experience. The tongue of the murid is stiff because of his forgetfulness of the invocation. And the invocation is like hot water. And when you place something in hot water, it loosens it. Then when the tongue begins to ache and bleed, it builds calluses and it dries up. And then you've broken it in. And now you've become worthy of having a tongue that invokes its Lord. We say do istighfar with itlaq, without a subha. Just do it. Roam in the realm of astaghfirullah. And habituate yourself to be a constant invoker. And if you become bored of astaghfirullah, flee from it to a salat al-ibrahimiyyah. And then go back to istighfar. And if you do that, I swear that you'll find yourself invoking in your sleep. You will one day see yourself doing dhikr in your sleep. It's impossible to be in ghafla beyond that point. You'll find yourself doing dhikr in your own dream. And if you see a snake and harmful things, it means you've just invoked little. Because you've mostly spent your days, your waking hours in ghafla. You want to serve Allah? Say astaghfirullah. You want to serve Rasulullah? Do the Salatul Ibrahimiyyah. Then there was a question or discussion about earning income at the end of time. And the Shaykh says, if you want dunya, you have to pierce the heavens with cement and brick. If you want the akhirah, if you want the hereafter, you have to pierce the heavens of the heart with nurullah. Rasulullah says in the hadith of Jibreel, that at the end of time, you will see the poor, destitute, naked shepherds competing in high buildings. And this is typically understood to mean that the Saudis and these Bedouins in the Gulf are going to be vying and competing and building skyscrapers. A meaning, Another meaning of this, or the esoteric meaning of this, is that at the end of time, one of the most stable and one of the best ways of earning an income is through real estate. If you want to have satisfaction, qana'a, contentment with your Lord and blessings in your life, you buy land, you invest in agriculture. Because the Prophet ﷺ says that only the earth fills the stomach, which is often interpreted to mean that when you go into the grave, the plain sense of the hadith means that when you go into the grave, you're going to no longer have that appetite of hunger. However, the vice of gluttony is put to an end by death. However, it also means this you fill your jawf, your inner stomach, with, with turab, with earth, buy two, three or four acres and produce a crop. And for earning an income, if you buy a, a resort or hotel or a place that, that accommodates tourists, there's seasonal tourism, and that's closer to the shaitan. Uh, there's nudity in it, and so on. And then there's nature tourism in the mountains and in nature, and that's more conservative. And it's good, you, you, it's good to, he recommends finding a place, a beautiful spot, a mountain, a nature resort. And this is one of the realms of work that, that one can do to please one's Lord. And you can work with other associations around, you know, invite people to come out and enjoy the natural scenery and feed them organic and natural food. Because people are exhausted and tired of cars and work and noise and pollution and cities and they need a relief. And so opening an eco-resort, investing your money in something halal and tayyib, you, you bring a, yo, uh, an instructor of meditative sports, and this has some kind of sitr, it's, there's a sense of conservatism in it, and it, it's not something that 
attracts shaitan in contrast to beach resorts and that kind of thing, which is much more risky. Then the sheikh laughs. He said, oh, the fuqar, I really like this question because this was a question posed by a faqira who was talking about purchasing a plot of land. And the sheikh says, oh, Marwan here is thinking about building a resort in Tunis. Building high buildings is a reference to investing in real estate at the end of time. And then agriculture is fil ard, you know, to, to have contentment in God and to cultivate trust in Him and so on through agriculture and then the great fitna is to invest in gold people kill each other over it and in present day circumstances it's a reference to the stock market that one should not invest in it and, and work towards it because the end of it is, is قتل, killing not, not in the sense of decapitation or something in the sense that you'll ascend in your wealth and then you'll come falling down from the mountain that you've built for yourself. That's a form of commerce at the end of time that's very much discouraged. There was also a discussion of the Qur'an as a shifa, as a healing. And the Shaykh says the Qur'an is a healing for the believer in whose heart there is divine light. One who recites the book and has divine light. It's not a shifa for Muslims. It's a shifa for mu'mins. It's, it's, not, it's not for people of submission on the limbs. It's for those of faith in the heart. It's for the people of light. And it cures even outward illnesses. Yes, the healing that you draw from the Qur'an is measured in accordance with the light that's deposited in your heart. The shaykh also spoke of his works and his books and he says, uh, I've written books by hand myself and God will show them to certain fuqara in visions and in dreams, in mushahadas. I've buried them in certain places and I have not found an appropriate faqir to read them. And when the time comes, these fuqara will have visions of those books and they will draw them out, inshallah. They're not in the zawiya because they're buried and I don't have enough confidence in the murids to read them. And so we buried them and wrote them by hand and we, we wait for God to bring someone worthy of them so that they may be opened. Then there was a comment on the Sheikh's tasbihs. He says, I have three tasbihs, 100 red beads that he's been using and wearing around his neck for the past seven months. And then there's a tasbih for, with 360 beads that he uses at its own time, at appropriate time. And then he has the 1,000 bead tasbih. And then he, he said to keep questions short, don't drag them on and on. They shouldn't be more than a few lines. He said, I'll be expansive in my response and you should be brief. This was in response to a faqir who submitted the page-long question. He says, this is too long. I'm not going to answer a question that long. And he made a beautiful dua at the end. He asked Allah Ta'ala to illuminate us through the light by which he illuminates the righteous and to make us among people worthy of reading uh, the Quran and ascending through it and to make us among the the folk of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and to make us among those who call out to Allah Ta'ala in intimate converse with His divine, with the Divine Essence, and to open our inner vision to His Book, and to make His light a celestial steed or a buraq for us to mount on our journey, and for us to be taken into the meadows of the Book, and to be enlivened by the Qur'an, and to become a brand or a, a part of the fire uh, from the ocean of uh, the light of the Prophet ﷺ, to become a part of a luminous part from the 
illuminated ocean of the Nabi والسلام, and to bless us with love of Ahlul Bayt and with love of their descendants and progeny and grandchildren and to unite us with them in the pond, in the celestial Haud, in the hereafter and to bring us back to the subtle grace of the name Ar-Rahman so that we may draw from everything around us Allahumma Ameen Allahumma Salli Ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad Kama Salli Ala Sayyidina Ibrahim Wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim Wa Barik Ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad Kama Barakta Ala Sayyidina Ibrahim Wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim Fil Alameen Inna Kahamidu Majid